0: Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. In this episode, Senior Pastor Rev. Marvin Lindsay preaches a sermon titled, An Attitude of Gratitude. It's based on Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. So, I want to ask you a question, kind of similar to the question that I asked the children earlier and the teenagers, what's the moral of the story? Say thank you. Yeah, always say thank you. See, we can go home now, right? We, you don't need a sermon on this. Well, except that uh, I, I feel like I have an obligation to preach a full-fledged sermon on this because that's what I'm called to do. So I want to say a little bit more about the uh, meaning always say thank you. It's uh, a habit that we try to instill in our children from an early age. And in fact, I saw someone uh, this week who had already perfected the habit An elder and I were entering the church We were entering by the gate That uh, lets you into the north entrance And as I opened the gate uh, There was a the woman pushing uh, a stroller One of the two-seater side-by-side uh, strollers Coming towards us So I held the door open Or not the gate open, that is And as she wheeled the stroller through The little girl in the stroller Pulled the bottle out of her mouth and looked up at me and said, thank you. And uh, so so this one, you know, has uh, learned the habit of saying thank you from a very early age. And it's a good thing. We want to teach this habit as soon as possible because, you know, one day... They're gonna get socks from their great aunt for their birthday. And so, to avoid some unpleasantness breaking out at the birthday party, we want them to know how to say thank you, even if you don't get a gift that you like, which is what the kids said. We do need to say a few more things about the scripture passage, though, and I think that we can go a little deeper than, uh, the need to show good manners by saying thank you. If we look at, uh, three specific questions Or issues that arise in the scripture passage this morning. The where, uh, where is the story located? The who, who are the players involved in this scripture passage? And what, what is it that unites these folks and what is it that distinguishes them from each other? I think if we answer these three questions, we can go a little deeper uh, into the meaning Of gratitude and thanksgiving. And after we do that, I want to reflect with you a little bit about what gratitude means for the Christian life. uh, What it means for our faith in Jesus Christ and what it means for uh, our obedience to Christ's word and Christ uh, and the scriptures as well. And then I want to close by uh, challenging you or inviting you. How about that? That's a better way to put it. Inviting you. To to consider a couple of behaviors this week that come out of the scripture passage So first of all, the where, the who, and the what Where the scripture passage takes place is along a border region between Galilee and Samaria Now, border regions are unique Uh, They both divide and unite people They both attract and repel people you know uh, on the one hand borders often distinguish us versus them you know they separate people so uh, we have a president on this side of the border they have a prime minister on that side of the border or we're governed by one set of laws on this side of the boundary marker they're governed by a different set of laws on the other side of the boundary marker or sometimes borders mark off differences uh in religion you know one religion is practiced here another religion is practiced over there or certain cultural practices people do certain things uh, on this side of the boundary line uh, and they engage in other ways of passing the time on that side of the boundary line but borders in an interesting way also bring people together you know people uh build warehouses and factories and shops and docks along borders because of the opportunities for trade on the other side of the border. Uh, Tourists cross borders because they want to see exotic sights and sounds on the far side of the boundary line. Uh, Immigrants and refugees cross borders in search of a better life, freedom from persecution or economic opportunities they didn't have on their side of the border uh, Smugglers find it lucrative to, to bring contraband From one side of a border to the other side uh, This week I Saw an authentic um, Prohibition era rum runner uh, Which I understand uh, Carried uh, uh, illegal Alcohol from ships offshore Across that three mile territorial limit uh, Into Atlantic City And I guess they carried it Other places as well So uh, borders, that's kind of the unique situation of them the, These places where um, political and social and religious bodies come together They're places that uh, where people stay apart from one another But they're also places where people come together Now, the border between Galilee and Samaria Was largely a border that divided people And this gets to the The who Uh, Question that we want to answer about this morning's scripture. On the Galilean side of the border, uh, the population was mostly Jewish, and on the Samaritan side of the border, the population was mostly Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans in biblical days um, held a great many things in common, but a few key things they disagreed on. And as is the case when you have many things in common. The few differences can become magnified and can become even greater sources of conflict. Just think about it in your own life. It's not the stranger in the grocery store checkout line that you get into big arguments with. It tends to be that person that you live with across the kitchen table that you get into biggest arguments with. That's because what you share in common makes your differences all that more potentially explosive. And that was the case with Jews and Samaritans. Both Jews and Samaritans believed that God was one, is one. Uh, Both Jews and Samaritans worshipped the God of their common ancestor, Abraham. Both Jews and Samaritans were descended from the 12 tribes of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. But they differed in a couple of key respects. The first is that they worshipped God in different locations. Uh, Jewish people, whether they lived in Judea or in Galilee, Worship God in the temple in Jerusalem And the Samaritans worship God In a temple of their own building On Mount Gerizim in Samaria And this difference in worship locations Went back hundreds of years It went back to the time When the northern tribes of Israel Rebelled against the king in Jerusalem And they uh, established their own worship sites And they were the ancestors of the Samaritans And they also disagreed about which Ancient writings should be counted as sacred scripture. And so these divisions were uh, were of great importance to both groups. They were a source of great animosity for both groups. Occasionally violence broke out between the two groups. And so great was the hostility that even though Samaria was right in the middle of the road leading from Galilee to Jerusalem, Jews who lived in Galilee would often avoid... The land of samaria and take the long way around in order to go up to jerusalem so the border in this case is a barrier it doesn't really bring people together it separates people except that it doesn't separate everybody and that gets to the third question uh the what what are the similarities and differences in the people that are involved in this morning's story In the case of these ten individuals, they're not all Jewish, they're not all Samaritan. Nine of them are Jewish, one of them them is a Samaritan, and they are keeping company together. And that's because these ten suffer from the same illness. An illness that whatever their differences in uh, politics and religion unites them in a common predicament. The illness that they suffer from is leprosy. And leprosy in Bible days Wasn't what we call Leprosy today Leprosy today refers to Hansen's disease Which is this um, progressive Disease that can only be cured By antibiotics In the times of the Bible Especially if you, you take a look at how the word Leprosy is used in the Old Testament And what it describes It seems as though the word Refers to any number of illnesses Of the skin That could kind of Uh, flare up and then could go away uh, over time Uh, illnesses like eczema like psoriasis maybe certain kinds of boils or certain kinds of infected burns if you exhibited these kinds of symptoms you were often in in fact not just often but always separated from the rest of the community you were quarantined uh, because they didn't know that it was not catching they didn't know that you could that eczema was you know not communicable but they wanted to take care that it wouldn't spread from one person in the community to the other. And I think, and scholars think, that the reason why they cared about this so much, it seems strange and excessive to us, but the Jewish people, the children of Abraham, were called to be a distinctive people. They were called to maintain these uh, really firm boundaries between themselves and all the other nations of the world that worshipped idols and false gods. And so if your skin, you know, which is that boundary between you and everything that is not you, if your skin is breaking down, then maybe your identity as the people of God might break down. And so they separated the person with leprosy from the rest of the community. But if they got better, then you could go and you could show yourself to the priest and the priest would pronounce you healed. And then you would make an offering to God at the temple in Jerusalem. Or in Mount Samaria if you were a Samaritan. And you would be reconciled to the community. That's what they have in common. Their skin is breaking down. Therefore the boundary, the border between Jew and Samaritan has broken down. And these folks live together. They also have one other thing in common. They also have one other thing in common. They have confidence and trust That Jesus can heal them. So when Jesus appears on the scene, these ten lepers, nine Jewish people, and one Samaritan, cry out with one voice Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus shows mercy on them. He shows mercy on them in a particular way. He invites them to step out in faith, in fact, to take a leap of faith. He doesn't, you know, touch them or pray over them or do some sort of kind of uh, faith healing mumbo jumbo uh, over them to heal them. He simply says, go show yourselves to the priests. In other words, he invites them, even while they're sick, to believe that they can be and in fact are healed and to trust in Jesus's word. And they do. And as they set out on the journey to go show themselves to the priest, they discover that they have, in fact, been cured of their leprosy. Uh, It sort of reminds me of that old hymn, Trust and Obey. Anybody sing that hymn at a revival growing up? Trust and obey. Sing it with me. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Thanks, Maggie, for singing with me. (laughs) But most of you are... Maybe that's just one that they sung at revivals down south. I don't know. Uh, But they trust that Jesus can heal them. And they obey his word, and happiness ensues. They experience the happiness and the joy of being healed. That said, there is one thing that marks off one of these healed lepers from the other nine. And that is one returns to give thanks to Jesus. One stops, interrupts his journey to make the required offering to be inspected by the priest and comes back and says thank you to Jesus. Prostrates himself on the ground, an act of great, uh, great humility and great gratitude to Jesus. And the one who turns back is the Samaritan. And Jesus is like, "Are you kidding me? I, I I I healed ten folks here. The only one that turns back is this foreigner." He's, and Jesus is he's like, I, "I know I told this story about a Good Samaritan a couple of weeks ago, but and it's I, it's a good story. It's going to be one of my greatest hits, I think." But. But this is an actual Good Samaritan. Who the fuck it? There are actual Good Samaritans in the world. He's I think I think in his humanity, he's genuinely surprised and delighted that gratitude to God is spilling over the borders of the Jewish people into uh other lands and among other people. That's the where the borderlands That's the who, Jews and Samaritans, and that's the what. A dreaded disease, common faith, common obedience, but uncommon gratitude on the part of one. And from that, now, I want to take a second step. And I want to talk about the importance of gratitude for our lives as trusting and obedient sisters and brothers in Christ and children of God. The first implication is this. Really, it's all about gratitude. Without gratitude, our faith in Christ and our obedience to God are shriveled and withered. Gratitude makes all the difference. Without gratitude, often uh, faith in Christ, in the God who sent Christ into the world, just becomes reduced to um, asserting a set of bare facts as truth. But when gratitude seasons our faith with love, then those bare facts become a living faith and are the basis for a relationship of joy and trust and obedience. It's one thing to believe that God exists, but it's quite another thing to trust that we are fearfully and wondrously made by the hands of a powerful and loving creator. That's what. Gratitude mixed with faith does It turns our belief into a living and loving faith And a relationship of trust and comfort with the Almighty The other thing that gratitude can do Is it can enliven our obedience to God Without gratitude, uh, obedience is often just rule following And maybe we're following the rules uh, because we're afraid that we'll get punished if we don't, you know, if we don't obey God's going to get us or maybe we're following the rules because we are trying to earn brownie points with God uh, and we think we have, you know, I follow the rules. Why don't you uh, surely my reward is greater uh, than your reward. But when obedience is mixed with gratitude, then it becomes more than just rule following our keeping God's commandments becomes a joyful response To goods that God has freely given us. Gifts that we know that we didn't deserve and that we haven't earned. Gratitude makes the commandments a joy and a delight to keep. Not because we've got one over on someone else. Not because uh, we're afraid of being punished. But simply for their own sake. We know and recognize that God is a good and benevolent heavenly parent and because God is like that then we just want to serve God we just want to obey we just want to give God something back for everything that God has given us the second thing that gratitude does it not only uh, enlivens our faith and enlivens our obedience but it also breaks down barriers that divide people from one another you know Uh, Faith in Jesus Christ's power to heal Made the Samaritan whole in body But thanksgiving and gratitude Made him a new friend A friend from the wrong side of the tracks A friend from the far side of the border A friend from amongst people That he formerly regarded as enemies And the Samaritan's gratitude Not only made him a new friend But Jesus has a new friend As a result as well Grateful people are big-hearted people, and grateful, big-hearted people are more likely to build bridges than they are to build barriers between ourselves and other people. So gratitude brings our faith and our obedience alive, and gratitude breaks down barriers that divide us. And so in light of those two observations, I want to invite you in the days and weeks to come to do a couple of things. The first thing that I want you to do is practice gratitude in your daily life. Gratitude is not just a kind of innate disposition. We're not just born with attitudes of gratitude, but we can learn gratitude. And it's a, it's a, a disposition and a virtue that can be taught. Our congregation was teaching gratitude yesterday on King's Highway at the Fall Festival. Our deacons and our marketing committee and our... Um, mission committee uh, and other members of the congregation staffed a table and at that table at the fall festival we invited children who were passing along the way to make gratitude jars. They had little plastic jars out and uh, they got to decorate the outside of the jar and then the instructions were to either there or when they went home to take slips of paper with kind of fall pictures on one side and on the other side... Write things for which you're grateful Write things down on the other side For which you're thankful And put them in your gratitude jar And pull them out every once in a while And read them And they'll remind you of the many things That we have to give thanks for Pull them out especially When you are uh, facing times of adversity When things are not going so well And they'll remind you Even when you're feeling low We still have much to be thankful for So If the community can be taught to practice gratitude, then let's learn from one another. So I want to invite you to think about making a gratitude jar for yourself. Or if not a gratitude jar, then think about keeping a gratitude list in your diary. Or keeping a gratitude list on your phone. Just write down the things that you're thankful for. And then, here's the thing. I want you to consult this list on Saturday night. Okay. Last thing you do before you go to bed Consult your gratitude list Pull something out of your gratitude jar Before you come to church on Sunday Look at the gratitude list And give thanks to God Be like the Samaritan Who uh, didn't go to the temple To the house of worship Until he had first given thanks to God And then that will make What you offer to God In Sunday worship all the more holy It will make your It will make you a more cheerful giver. It will make you a more joyful singer. It will make you a more purposeful prayer and listener to God's word. Or at least I think it will. Give it a try. See if it does. The other thing I want to invite you to do as grateful people, as thankful people, is to find ways to break down barriers that divide people from one another in the world around us. Now, I have to say, uh, before I get into this, that there are some boundaries and borders that do need to be maintained. Uh, You know, over the last couple of decades, there have been many high-profile cases of ministers misbehaving. uh, And as a result of that, ministers now have to take, Presbyterian ministers anyway, have to take required, uh, continuing education courses in ministerial ethics, and they're called boundary training sessions. Uh, because there are some boundaries that no one should cross. And often Presbyterian ministers and other ministers get in trouble when they cross those boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. Uh, you know, another example is the war in Ukraine that's unfolding. Uh, we terribly lament the loss of life and the disruption that that war has caused. Uh, and yet, Most of the world understands that the Ukrainians have a right to defend their territorial borders and to maintain the integrity of their boundaries. So some boundaries need to stay in place. Some borders need to be defended and respected. But some barriers need to be broken down and some dividing walls need to be dismantled. Glass ceilings in the workplace need to be shattered. Uh, Barriers of prejudice and discrimination need to be torn down. Um, Other uh, boundaries that don't um, enable people to thrive and to live, but cause people to um, have their capacities as human beings to be curtailed, those also need to be taken down. And so as grateful people, I want to invite you to express your gratitude in big-hearted ways that build bridges with other people. Let me give you a few examples. So you don't have to do any one of these in particular, but these are just to kind of stimulate your imagination. Um, go to lunch with somebody who doesn't vote the same way that you do. Especially if they're a member of this congregation. Okay. Um, you don't, not, not to convince them they're wrong. <laughs> Not to persuade them to come around to your way of seeing the world, but just to further the bonds of Christian friendship, just to understand them a little better. Here's another way. If you, and uh, in, your, in your place of work, uh, are responsible for hiring people are responsible for promoting people, then ask questions that break down barriers and encourage a more diversified workplace. Don't just ask that question, who fits in well around here? Because if that's, that, that's an important question, but if it's the only question you ask, then it's likely that everybody around here is gonna be a lot like you are around here. But ask, who might come to this position with life experiences or skills or perspectives that Are lacking in this position Or in this organization At this time Here's another way that you can Live as big hearted people You can do that in uh, The public square In your role as Christian And a citizen You can uh, take some time at the public comment Session in the borough hall Or some time to write a letter To the editor or to one Of your elected officials Or you can enter the voting booth with a desire to increase trust among various groups that make up our community or our society, Uh, with a desire to bring to the table voices that haven't been heard in the past so that we can uh, create and further a more perfect union in the words of our civic discourse so that we can seek liberty and justice for all uh, in the words of our civic discourse and not just a few people. Live as big-hearted, as grateful Christians in your relationships with one another, in your relationships in the workplace, and in your relationships and in your roles in society. So remember the moral of the story. Always say thank you. But don't just say thank you because it's good manners. Say thank you because gratitude gives life to our faith. It gives life to to our obedience it helps to break down barriers and dividing walls that separate people it turns strangers and enemies into friends the poet robert frost once wrote something there is that doesn't love a wall and i think that there's something in this passage of scripture that points to something in the heart and character of god that doesn't love a wall that wants to see those dividing walls come down, that wants to see human beings live in peace and in mutual goodwill with one another. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come, amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.